Wolfpack Ninja Podcast, Episode 15, Jeff Britton, Part 1, The First American Ninja Warrior. Welcome to the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. I'm Megan Martin. And I'm Ian Dory. I'm Brian Arnold. And I'm Noah Kaufman, the Ninja Doc. Thanks for joining our weekly conversation about health, fitness, and all things Ninja Warrior. We will be interviewing all of the top American Ninja Warrior stars, and we encourage you to visit our website, www.wolfpackninjas.com. And kids, you can get your free Wolfpack Ninja Cub certificate there. If you like our podcast, please share, subscribe, and like on iTunes. Also, give us a follow on our social media. We're always posting new content, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Wolfpack Ninja and on Instagram at Wolfpack Ninja Warrior. Together, we can make the world a healthier and happier place. So join us. All right, welcome back to the Wolfpack Ninja podcast. This is an awesome day. This is the day that many of you and indeed we have been waiting for. This is Jeff Britton. He's 36 years old. He was arguably the first American Ninja Warrior. He was the first guy up the rope. Uh, He was one of two guys, he and Isaac Caldiero, who pulled it off after seven seasons. The impossible obstacle course got beat by these two amazing rock climbers. Uh, and, And he's a close friend. He's a great guy. He's a family man. And so we have him here today. And this is the first in a two-part Wolfpack Ninja podcast with Jeff Britton. We had so much to talk about. He's such an interesting guy. And I want to let everybody know that actually he was one of the two champions for the Stronger Men Conference, the James River Church that just went on this last weekend. Uh, Hat tip to Jason Huey for putting on such a great event. Uh, really incredible. Our very own Ian Dory took second place. Uh, there was uh, a whole bunch of excitement. Very few people finished the courses. I think actually only climbers were able to finish this uh, slightly harder obstacle course. And uh, there's some video that we will try and link to our show notes. So good job uh, to all the winners. Jeff Britton took home $5,000 first place. Ian took $2,000. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, that'll pay some of the airfare to get you guys to the qualifier events for American Ninja Warrior, which is coming up right around the corner. We've got Indianapolis qualifiers coming up just next week, so that's pretty exciting. Strong representation by the Wolfpack. And real quick, before we get to Jeff's interview and the pre-discussion, I'd like to let everybody know that May 14th, we're having a Wolfpack Ninja Tour up here in northern Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. Go to our website, wolfpackninjas.com, to learn a little bit more about this amazing event. There's going to be clinics. There's going to be a full-on obstacle course. There's going to be tons of uh, smaller obstacle course stations for the kids out there. This is going to be training by the Wolfpack. Uh, So bring your little ninjas out. Come and register. There's going to be giveaways. We have a ton of sponsors. It's going to be a really exciting day. So May 14th, go ahead and mark it down and check out our show notes for more information. Go to wolfpackninjas.com and register now. And after that, in early July, July 3rd, we're going to be setting up an obstacle course at the Longmont Village Shopping Center at the grand opening there. That's going to be a really cool event, too. The Wolves will be there all day. We'll have merchandise, and uh, it's going to be exciting. We're going to have a professional course set up with the truss and all the obstacles, 
and it's going to be free for everybody involved. So come on down to Longmont and check out this amazing new shopping center. It's going to be really cool. Lastly, many of you may have noticed the ads that are now appearing on Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. We have signed up with Blog Talk Radio. We thank them very much for hosting us. And a lot of these ads will go to paying our overhead. So we appreciate you sticking through them and uh, paying attention and maybe helping out our sponsors. What do you guys think about Jeff Britton? We're going to listen to his interview. I, I, I've been waiting for this one. I'm really excited to listen to his interview. I think Jeff is a super nice guy. Him and his wife, Jessica, they're really awesome. Nothing bad to say about Jeff. I think he's definitely inspirational. He's a father. He is a cameraman for the NFL. Like He does it all. So I think it'll be really cool to hear what he has to say. I agree. I'm very excited to see what he has or hear what he has to say. He's a dad. He works full time. And he married a Jessica. So we have a lot in common, actually. So you guys both have Jessica. I can't wait to, uh, to hear what he has to say. Yeah, I feel like I have a lot in common with Jeff also because I'm a, I'm a father. I'm in my late 30s. I'm 38. He's 36. And I have kids. And he has <laughs> I kids. Just, it's funny because now I'm realizing I'm the only one without kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you have all the kids down at the ABC. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I, I, I understand um, a lot of, a lot of the, the difficulties and challenges that come along with having kids. Being an older athlete, so I'm very interested to see what he has to say. Well, the other thing is I'm interested to hear what he has to say and what he did have to say about how he manages his time because this guy... He works 60, 70 hours a week, you know, and, and I know what it's like to work really hard being a physician in the emergency department and how hard it is to juggle that and kids and then try and get training in for American Ninja Warrior. It's not easy. And, you know, a lot of guys have their full life to dedicate to this, but I want to, you know, really get into how he is able to manage his time because it's not easy. And I'll tell you what, you can't be watching much TV, I've found from my experience. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be very interesting to see how he he does it all. Yeah. And before we get into the interview, you know, it's it's pretty interesting. On our website, we have a poll, who is the first American Ninja Warrior? And so I just want to share what the results are so far. We have about 300 votes so far. So if you want to contribute, go ahead, get on wolfpackninjas.com, get to the poll and uh, and go ahead and fill it out. Now, we did put Joe Moravsky, Casey Catanzaro, Brian Arnold in there just for giggles. And uh, Joe got 0.7% of the votes out of 300 votes. Casey got 2.3% of the votes. Brian got 3% of the votes. I'm not sure if those were jokes or if people actually maybe thought you guys were the the first American Ninja Warrior. Isaac got 31.1% of the votes. Jeff Britton got 63% of the votes. So out of the people who have voted so far, at least, 63% of the people say Jeff Britton is the first American Ninja Warrior. And it'll be interesting to collect numbers over time and see where everybody thinks. Yeah, well, uh, let's get into his interview. Well, I'm really excited, you guys, for our guest today. It's Jeff Britton. Jeff was the American Ninja Warrior champion along with Isaac this year. It was unbelievable the way it went down. And Jeff is obviously one of the strongest guys out there. He's one of the nicest guys out there. He's a family guy. And we're going to learn a lot about him today. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Noah. Thanks for having me. You know, it's an honor 
to do this show, let alone to do this podcast, which is really cool. I love that you guys are doing this and I'm really, really excited to be a part of it. It's been funny because we've been the rock climbers on the show. You know, there's there's been a few climbers and, and years ago we, we were like, come on, a climber's going to take this down. And you and I even talked about it. What's it like to be one of the climbers and then to be the guy who took it down? What's that like? You know, first off, you're so right. When I sat and watched this show before I ever competed, my first thought was that competition was built for rock climbers. You know, it's right up our alley. And sitting at home watching on the couch is completely different than actually doing it. But the process of Ninja Warrior is something that's well suited to a rock climber. It is power and endurance and agility and being fast and strong. And that's something, as you know, we've all trained for for almost our whole lives. It's really a part of our lives. So it's a very natural progression. And yeah. to get out there and just to to get to do these courses and then to keep going, it's just, man, I feel like it's a journey at the end. And I, I think anyone who's competed on this show would agree with me that it feels like a saga where you just start day one and you just keep going. And every time you hit a buzzer, it gets harder and harder and harder. And it's more mentally taxing but you get so much more out of it for every buzzer you hit. And to, to be able to beat it all was, it's a cliche word, but it was amazing. It was exhausting, but it was exciting. And to do it, to do it with another climber was really cool. I was proud of both of us to be there and beating it all. And that was our goal. At the end of the day, that was everybody's goal to go out there and to beat the whole thing. Did you know that, that you had done it in enough time when you climbed that rope? When you watch the show, you see me get to the top and I'm very excited and I'm cheering and I knew I had done it. In reality, I didn't know. Yeah. Actually, one of the first things I said when I'm on top, I asked, there's a couple of crew up there, there's some riggers. And I said, did I, did I do it? And they said, we're checking. And I said, <laughs> you, you got it. You got it. You did it. You had 0.35 <laughs> seconds left or whatever it was. And it was amazing. I mean, <laughs> you don't know what that's like until you're there. That's, that's the interesting part about it to me. You know, you're the only person in history ever to have a perfect season. And that is unbelievable. Everybody else got wet. What What is that like? You know, I do have one regret about this season, and that is that some of my really good friends, after the whole night was done, wanted to grab me and throw me in the water because I hadn't gotten wet. And uh -huh. I really wish I had let them do that. And I was, and the only reason I didn't do it was because I had these really bad rope burns on my legs. And I was for some reason, I was weirded out that I was going to get an infection or something weird from that water. I don't ever want to touch that water again. Hopefully, I don't. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's cool, man. It's 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 hard. You know how hard it is. I mean, yeah, like you said, everybody falls. And I think a lot of it's luck and a lot of it's skill. A lot of it's planning. You know, luck favors the prepared mind. And I was lucky. Absolutely. Well, you were very prepared as well. And just to let you know, Ninja Doc would have had your back, and I would have written you some antibiotics if that had gotten infected, you know? Of course you would. Look at you. You're such a stud out there resetting guys' shoulders. You got to focus on your skill set. So let's switch up for a second and talk about the 800-pound gorilla here, Jeff. Now, you know, you and Isaac both finished the course, and at the end there was the first time in Ninja Warrior where it really kind of became a mano -a mano competition. It was you versus Isaac. And that kind of changed things. It, it detracted a little bit from the achievement that both of you guys had. Do you think it detracted a little bit? I do. I think at some level, 
all of the ninjas expected that it would change, but I didn't expect it to change like it did. I've always treated this, and I still do, like it's us versus the course. You know, my goal will always be to beat the course, and I'm never going to feel bad if I don't, if I beat the course and I don't beat someone, that's, that's not my goal. You know, I like to go out there and beat these impossible obstacles. And I think a lot of the other guys feel the same. And it was strange to have it kind of change. And maybe that plays into someone else's favor a little more. It's very competitive all of a sudden. And it's, it's a change. And it's a change I hope that Ninja Warrior doesn't go more of in the future. Now, Team Ninja Warrior is a whole different story. You know, you know that going in. Here it is. You're racing head to head, and we're going to see that. We've already seen it probably, and it's a whole different kind of amazing. But for Ninja Warrior itself, when you have the hardest optical course in the world, I think it's neat just to be able to go out there and compete against the course, not each other. And that's what it's always been like. We've always been rooting each other on and compete against the course. And you're basically one of two people who have ever been in the circumstance where it changed 100%, and all of a sudden it was a mano y mano competition. Yeah, I mean, for you, you're kind of like a sweet family man, and it seems like you didn't really change your approach, which was just to beat the course. Absolutely. I didn't, and I wouldn't if I got there again. That is always my goal. That's why I do Ninja Warrior. I want to go out there, and I want to beat these courses. It's fun to me. You know, I think we all approach it a little differently at the beginning, and I want to ask you a question in a second, Noah, because I'm curious about something, but... For me, when I get to the start of a course, sometimes I'm really nervous, sometimes I'm excited, but no matter what I'm doing, I am looking at this course and I'm looking at it like a playground. And I'm reminding myself, I'm a kid, and how cool is this moment that we get to be here on this hardest playground, if you will, in the world, and we get to go out and do it. They set this up for us, and that always puts my mind in the right space to go out there and have fun. Absolutely. And I think once you're there, I mean... You can't lose. What's uh? So my question for you is, what's yeah. your approach when you're starting a course? Well, when I start the course, you know, it it has been highly variable. Generally, I look at a picture of my son that I keep in a pocket, and I'm like, I can't get this wet. And uh, it's it's a little photo of he and I at the movie theaters. It's one of those you know like multi photo things, and it's really cute. And uh, that makes all the nerves kind of settle down because I think we're all nervous when we get out there it's like an excitement and you've probably had the same experience where that goes away once the once the buzzer goes you know and and then you're you're running and you're just smiling and you're you're on this playground and you're like man this feels pretty easy and and so that's my method uh what do you do you know i definitely get nervous before i'm about to run a course and what i've been able to do over the past two years of doing this is I settle my mind down to the point where I realize that my nerves are simply a reaction to my body getting ready to be as strong as it will ever be. Right. And once I've realized that, I have no issues and I get excited. I start smiling. And like you said, once you step on that course, it is just it's game time. Yeah. It's fun. It feels right. It feels like we were meant to do this. Totally. Our approach as climbers, and you can comment more on this, we want to get it done. We want to get the ascent. We want to send it. We want to get the first ascent. Now, you're not the the first grand champion or the first million-dollar winner, but you must be able to smile and put that on your tick list and say, wow, and just kind of look at it. Is, is that true? 
Absolutely. You know, that's definitely a bucket list check mark. And that's not one a lot of people will ever be able to do. And I'm really proud of that. I worked hard for it. Definitely trained. I actually feel like I could have trained a lot more. Truth be told, I really didn't train that much for Las Vegas. Yeah. We had a different schedule than some other cities did. We were the last city this year, which is unique for the Northeast. And we had a month between. I actually ended up working every single day. I didn't have a single day off between Pittsburgh finals and Las Vegas. Wow. And I really didn't get time to train. I think that actually helped me in the end because I wasn't overtraining. I wasn't worried. And I went into it thinking that I don't have to do as well as I need, as I should, because I've been training for it and I've been dedicating this time. I went into it with a mindset that I'm going to do as good as I can and I'm not worried about it. And I think that's a very successful mindset to go with. Well, it obviously worked. It worked for you. It worked for me. <laughs> now, can you comment on your nutrition and your kind of exercise when you are training? Training for me is always really tough. Um, you know, being a dad and working a lot, I work between 60 to 70 to 80 hours every week. Wow. I get home late. I get home around midnight and I'm up at 7 a.m. every day to get my daughter to the bus. And it's hard to find the time. I struggle the most with eating healthy. It is so easy for me to stop McDonald's on the way to work. And I'm not going to lie, I do it way too often. But overall, I definitely try and eat healthier. <laughs> you know, I try not to eat my peanut butter and honey sandwiches. Right. I try not to have crackers. and But I do. Training is definitely where I come out ahead of a lot of people because I train two hours almost every day. I have a little tiny gym and I, I work out really hard in it and I push myself till I feel sick. That is what works for me. So there's like a mental component there. You push yourself until you get sick. Could you talk about that a little bit more? One of the things I've learned from 20 plus years of climbing and always being active is that how we act when we're tired is very different than how we act when we're not tired. And you have to be able to force your mind and your body to be strong when you're tired. And if you can either trick your body into believing that or train your body into believing that, you will always be strong. And that's something I've really done over the past few years. One of the things I do a lot of is I do a lot of cardio work where I'll run, sprint, and be absolutely winded, and then I'll do an upper body workout. And putting those two together really prepares you for these Ninja Warrior courses, I feel. You know, I see guys go out and run 10 miles, and that's amazing to me. I have never been able to run a mile or two. I just, I don't. What I do is I'll do sprints, and then I'll do an upper body workout. And combining them and going back and forth and back and forth really seems to completely exhaust my body. But I can keep going, and I can keep going at a high level because of that. You know, we do the exact same thing. We do these wind sprints and then we'll go and do this crazy salmon ladder workout right into another upper body, right back into maybe like an exercise bike or a wind sprint. And and I think it's a mental challenge because you're constantly wanting to stop. There's a little man inside your head and Flip Rodriguez spoke about this a while back. He said, uh, and this was based on a Will Smith comment. If you're a runner, there's a little man inside your head that says, you know, stop. You want to stop. And if you can find a way to defeat that little man, then you are going to learn how to push through and get stronger. And it sounds like you've learned how to defeat that little man. 
Absolutely. And I think that comes personally from climbing. And I'm sure you can attest to this, but watching climbers for decades, you can watch somebody climb and I would say with a 90% accuracy, you can tell when someone's given up in their body. Oh, yeah. You just see it. You say they just checked out and they're done. They might do another move or two, but they're, they're done and they've given up. They've quit. And that's something I try not to do. And in climbing, I train that by if I feel like quitting, I feel like my body's sagging, I refocus and I push even harder and I don't drop. You know, yeah. dropping's when you just let go and fall. Instead, I fall when I slip off the rock. And that that's that's what it takes. You have to push yourself. Yeah, and seeing you grimace and just pull your, your hands were slipping on stage three at the last possible moment, and somehow you dug so deep and pulled it back. Do you remember what that moment was like? My memory of that slowed down so much that I feel I aged an entire year on the flying bars. <laughs> I mean, it was just. It was like I started those and I was sitting in that little basket. And that's a very special perch to be in. Oh, yeah. Only climbers have sat there. There's been four of us. Brian Arnold, Ian Dory, Isaac Caldiero, and myself. The wolf pack and me. It's, it's a very special spot. No other American has ever made it there. That's, yeah. you know, the air is very crisp in that seat. <laughs> and just to be there is amazing. When I started, man, I felt great. And then it all went downhill really quickly. Your hands start opening up. My hands actually opened up almost completely the third jump, the jump where Ian fell. Yeah. And I think, is that where Brian fell? Yep. Two years ago? Yep. That's the same spot that yep. Brian felt at. Yep. My hands started opening up and I thought, oh no. And I was so worried about my aim with that bar. Because I've fallen on the flying bar quite a bit, and it's always missing the cradles. I don't know why. I have a really weird jump. Right. I always seem to miss it in personal training. So at that moment when I almost fell on the third one, that all went out the window. There was no more aiming. It was just all I was thinking about was holding my thumbs onto my fingers so I would hold on. So when I jumped, I was just thinking, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. That's what worked for me. My hands completely opened up, but my fingers said, you're holding on. Pull it together. And then, God, the landing pad, man, it's like another mile away. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Kudos to Isaac. He just crushed it. Good Lord. You know, I mean, you basically were doing like a 514 move, just holding on, fighting the, you know, because you were just kind of ripping off and you fought back against it. Well, let, let me ask you this as a follow-up question. What percent of the time would you say you try your actual hardest? Hmm. That is an interesting question. Yeah. On a Day-to-day -day basis, training, I would say I try my hardest. Okay, let's stop and take a commercial break just for a second. We'll get the answer to that and the rest of Jeff's interview in part two of the Wolfpack Ninja podcast, Jeff Britton interview. Wow, Jeff Britton. So interesting to hear him talk about training and being a dad. I mean, not being able to train as much as the top ninjas and still performing at such a high level it's just like kind of hard to imagine just because i have more time than he does to dedicate to ninja so it's really interesting to see how he balances it he's just so motivated yeah i'm pretty fascinated by his time management because he's got a family he's got all these responsibilities he works his butt off 
And, you know, I mean, he still finds two hours a day to train really, really hard to exhaustion. And he does a lot of the same things that, that we do in our training. And, and so he finds the time to do that, but he condenses it down. And it, it's, it's like, you know, as a 36-year-old guy with a family and this hard job where he's working 60, 70 hours a week, he is still finding the time to really, really train well and effectively. He's the perfect example of training smarter, not harder necessarily. It's, it's interesting because I feel like me and you know and Ian and, you know, we're fathers and he's he's been able to get over that. We can't use that as an excuse. No, I know. <laughs> so uh, he does train like us, and I find that fascinating. It, as a little bit of selfish pride, it was really nice to see two climbers make it to the top, you know, of Midoriyama. And I wish they could have shared the title in like a, a better way. And, you know, I kind of feel for Jeff. You know, he had a million dollars in his hands for... 30 seconds or, a, you know, a minute of TV time, 15, min 15 minutes in reality or whatever when we were there. Oh, it was, it was so fascinating. Oh, I God. mean, for those of you who didn't see the show, we were actually standing right next to, to Jeff and his family. Yeah. And then they had like the Isaac, um, his friends and family, right? We were all next to each other. And I was like watching back and forth during the whole thing, the, the, it's just such a weird experiment. You're taking someone and you're watching him win a million dollars and him and his family's reaction. And then all of a sudden to see that be like, nope, you didn't win now. Isaac and his, you know, Isaac won. And to watch the reaction, it, it, it's, it was just fascinating. And a little heartbreaking for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, feel, was, I felt for was. them. It was. As much as I was happy for Isaac and yeah. the success of the then Wolfpack, you know, I mean, it was hard to see him have to lose because he didn't really lose. He he beat every obstacle course. As he said when he got done, I know one thing, I'm the first American Ninja Warrior. And there's some truth to that statement. I mean, he was the first one up there. And, you know, it was just, it was crazy to to see him have to swallow his pride and, and win and and be the top guy and be a champion, but then have this million dollars taken away from him. And what a crazy thing. Well, and he handled it so well. Like, he have did. you ever seen Jeff without a smile on his face? I don't think I ever have. So he was gracious. He's, he's very yeah, gracious. Yeah, so gracious, so humble. I think he's what people should aspire to be. I think he's just a great human all around. He's a great face for the sport. Yeah, it's a testament to his personality and who he is. When Isaac beat him on the ground, his family was chanting, Six Buzzer Jeff, Six Buzzer Jeff. And then when Isaac hit the ground, Jeff came up and gave him a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Right away. He yeah. didn't punch him in the face. He gave him a hug. <laughs> Another thing to be said about Jeff is like he really takes everything into consideration. For example, the USA versus the world. Like, he could have selfishly been like, I'm still going to do this even though like I feel so tired. But no, he took a step back and wasn't like just wanting the limelight or whatever. And he was like, I can't do this right now. My body is way too wrecked. We need to put someone in who's going to help Team USA. And I can't be that person right now. And that's another thing he's done that was just kind of amazing, you know? Yeah, and, and for people who weren't there, it was unbelievable. Uh, you know, listeners, check this out. He had just finished stage four and stage three and everything the night before 
We're not getting any sleep. And he literally developed like this 103 degree fever. And he was just sick as a dog. I mean, he literally had bonked. And, and bonking is the, the athletic term when you actually reach your limit and you, your body just shuts down because it cannot go any further because you've used up all your energy and all your fuel. And so it was very difficult, but he had to sit out of Team USA versus the world, and uh, w- of which he was a huge, valuable part of. But he, his body was just destroyed because of the effort he put into, you know, taking down the whole course. He never fell once this season, you guys. So impressive. Yeah. <laughs> he did what all of us want to do. Yeah, perfect season. He had a perfect season. God, and isn't that the clincher? You have the perfect season when everyone would want Earlier, I had said that, you know, it makes sense that Isaac doesn't come back because he already won, but, like, I could see someone wanting to come back for that perfect season, yet you have someone like Jeff who had the perfect season but unfortunately didn't get the prize at the end, which I'm sure will make him want to come back. And his fans came out to him, and he said repeatedly, look, I have a good life, I'm happy with my family, I work hard at my job. I, You know, he has the money he needs, and there's Mm -hmm. an old proverb if you make more than you spend, then you're rich. You know, you're a rich person. Mm-hmm. And there's some truth to that. And, you know, I think that he embodies that humility. And I don't think he really needed the money to be happy. And, yeah, yeah. it's always nice to have more money. But he's coming back because he's got the love and he wants mm-hmm. to do it. And I have a feeling even if he had won and gotten the money. He would still do it. Yeah. He still d- would have done it. He still And he came out and he did Team Ninja Warrior and... He didn't care if he won or lost. He just wanted to come out and be a part of the ninja community and have fun. I say we call Jeff up and we see if he wants to do a road trip. We should all do a road trip together. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Where should we go? Uh, Let's go climbing, of course. (laughs) Let's go to to Africa. So, you know, another thing that was interesting was Jeff's life is so busy and so difficult as a dad and with this full-time job that... He said, look, my nutrition suffers. I go to McDonald's every now and then. I try not to eat poorly. I try and feed my body the right way. And you know what? He can't do it. And I think a lot of people are in that difficult situation where they want to eat healthier. They want to focus on their nutrition and being healthy. But really, their lifestyle doesn't accommodate it as much and fast food is just easy and fast so easy it is so easy and you know what it's it's a big problem because unfortunately it's fast and it's easy but it's not that healthy it just has no nutritional value yeah the nutritional like value is so low in your body yeah but it tastes so good it tastes so good it does taste i good. mean i'm guilty of that too like if i get done coaching at like 8 30 or something and i just like want to go home but i don't have any food because I don't cook that much because I am one person. And I feel like cooking for one person is not that ideal. It's not. It's, it's not really easy. It's really not. It's not easy. So I'm guilty of if Whole Foods is already closed, say I go climbing after working at 8.30. I get done at 10 and I haven't had dinner. Yeah. There's a good chance that I might have to stop and get like faster food. <laughs> I like, like that. <laughs> I, think, I think it raises an interesting question though and... Jeff doesn't sound like he doesn't have the best diet. So is it more important, your training versus your diet? So that's an interesting question. And I think that for most people who are training at a high level, I think the training probably is 
more important of a component to the highest level of achievement. But I think that he's climbed for 20 years and he's definitely not in a, a place where he's unhealthy, obvious, based on what he's doing. So I think for training for high level events, yes, it's important. I think that for the average American or anybody fighting you know, issues with being unhealthy in general, focusing time on your diet is more important. So I think the, the higher up you are uh, in the food chain of athleticism, maybe it's not quite as important. It's just still an important variable, but it's not key to being healthy because you're already ultra healthy. You're already super healthy. Does that make sense? So what I'm taking away from that and for the listeners is that the long run, it's important to be incorporating the diet and the training, but focusing just on the diet isn't as important as the training itself. For high-level athletes, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, he, man, what a fascinating guy. Uh, I can't wait to hear from him next week. He's got some really interesting things to say. We ended with me asking him, hey, Jeff, how often do you think you try your hardest? And so we're going to see his answer next week. It's really exciting. Uh, we have a bunch of other very interesting and, and, and amazing interviews coming up here shortly. So stick with us. Uh, let's do some tips, guys. You want to do some tips? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys. So this tip's going to be short and simple. Multivitamin. If you're not taking one, it's really easy to do. It's inexpensive. It'll take you about a second before you go to bed. Just take one, and that way you'll be making sure that you're getting the vitamins and minerals that you need to recover, and so your body is running like a well-tuned machine. Today I want to emphasize how important it is to snack during your workouts. You can just grab a bar, some veggies, or some fruit, but make sure you snack during your long workout sessions. Continuing from the last episode, diabetes has started to wreak havoc on our children. 20 years ago, there was no such thing as adult-onset diabetes in children. That's why it is called adult-onset. Now, a huge portion of our children are actually getting adult-onset diabetes. It's because of the processed foods we eat and the large amounts of sugar in all our foods. Diabetes and metabolic syndrome contribute to heart disease, strokes, blindness, amputations, and other horrible conditions. The food we serve in our schools is unconscionable. I encourage you all to watch the amazing movie Fed Up on Netflix. Please write your congressman and ask them to change the food going into our schools and poisoning our children. If you've ever had shoulder problems like me, this could change your life. Shoulders are one of the most important parts of the body, and you need to keep them balanced and healthy to be an athlete. A great way to keep your shoulders feeling good and strong is shoulder pass-throughs. You can do it at home or the gym. Just take a broom handle and grip it as wide as possible with both hands. Pass the broom handle over your head to the small of your back and over your head again. Do this 20 times or so. Also, do the same motion making circles to the left and to the right 20 times each. Doing this for several weeks will change the way your shoulders feel and function. Thanks, Ian. That's some really good advice on shoulder work for everybody out there. All right, guys, that marks the end of another Wolfpack Ninja podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. American Ninja Warrior 8 is underway. The obstacles are crazier than ever. There's some crazy stories I've been hearing from behind the scenes, and you guys are not going to believe the action. So tune in June 1st on NBC for American Ninja Warrior. It's going to be awesome. Also, May 14th is our Wolfpack Ninja Tour kickoff. 
It's going to be at Miramont in Fort Collins. So if you're interested, go check out our website and register. Bring the Ninja Kids. And this is going to be fun for the entire family. There'll be competition. There'll be all kinds of clinics and nutrition and health and education and meet the wolf pack. Okay, so we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. If you liked it, please tell a friend. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It would mean a lot. Remember to visit our website at www.wolfpackninjas.com and join us on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter at Wolfpack Ninja and on Instagram at Wolfpack Ninja Warrior. Join us next time for another exciting episode with your favorite ninjas and informative health tips. Here's a test. Let's see what's going on. This is going to be a tip zero. Testing, testing. Brian, Brian. Hello, Wolfpack. Here we go. Here are going to be some great tips. Yeah. Do you like going on a vacation in general? Like maybe not a climbing vacation? I'm kind of tired. What do you mean? Just go to the beach? You, mean? you can cut that out. <laughs> I, like, I want to climb. I don't climb enough. Okay. So you climb, you climb I'm tired. more. I'm so tired. I can't.